No pressure. <laughs> okay, now, just give me a minute while I get... I've noticed that when the sun comes out in Ireland, you'll take your clothes off. Um, I'm going to take my coat off now. Thank you. Um, last night, I... Last night... I, are you, am I working? Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Last night, um, uh, I had the uh, blessing of my glasses falling apart in my hand because I'd sat on them earlier. So um, today, I'm going to, with thanks of Asda, other stores also sell these, um, <laughs> have got these, which means I cannot see you, and I'm not sure if I can see this. <laughs> And then I thought, well, with this up here, maybe this would be better. <laughs> now I can't see anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, I did this morning, before I go on and say anything else, I, I did have a word, and I, I, I feel that this word is, is for somebody specific, um, and you'll know who you are. If God has not given you the miracle that you've been asking for, Stop looking for that miracle because he's given you many others. He's given you many others. And sometimes we can uh, feel obstructed within ourselves that we don't see God come up with what the, we think he should be coming up with or what our heart really craves. And then we do not see how much he is working in our lives, how much he's giving us and how much he's sustaining us. So don't give up on the God of miracles. Just ask him to broaden your vision and so that you can see how great he is. I, I just felt that quite strongly this morning for, for someone, or maybe more than someone uh, in, this, in this room. Anyway, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers that have children of their own, to the mothers that just sit and look after other children that are not their own. Actually, every woman in this room bears the mark of Eve, and she was called the mother of all living. That's what her name meant. So every woman in this room is to be honored because you do have a role in the church that is very vital, and it goes beyond just you know, making the tea and doing the washing up. Um, without women in the church, the church would be a poorer place. You'd say that about men as well, because actually God set it up that way. But happy Mother's Day. We've been following this series, uh, Back to Eden, Return to Eden. Eden and th this morning, I've been given the um, uh, title of doing parenting. And, and this, this is going to be delivered to you by a mother of three who raised absolutely perfect children. Um, that if you were to meet them, you would think, wow, so it can be done. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny as well. Yeah. Um, I've got my eldest son who looks a bit like a garden gnome who is going, he's going through incredible bereavement at the moment, having lost his wife six weeks ago um, and bringing up three children on his own. Uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him for the way that he's managing this. I've got a middle son who is a police officer that um, I don't know what to say about Jeremy. Um, and I've got a daughter that I adore 
but she as well is a bit odd. Um, but um, there you go. It, it just shows that actually parenting styles and our parenting ability, um, God uses us all. And, and I just want to reassure you before um, I go forward with anything that we say, no one in this room has had perfect parents and no one is going to raise their child perfectly. Um, it is not possible. It is not possible. Being a parent is, is very difficult. And um, by the time we've learned how to rear our children, we will find we've already messed them up. So if you haven't messed your children up yet, please don't worry, you will. Okay, give it time. There are no perfect parents and imperfect parents make imperfect children who then become imperfect parents. So this isn't a sermon about how we can learn to be better parents, but it's going to be about biblical principles, uh, principles that God set up to help us understand why being a parent is so important. It's a, it's a sermon that emphasizes the blueprint of God rather than a style or an approach. Um, I was looking up online about parenting styles. Psychologically, the, there are at least five parenting styles, and they're being added to all the time. And those parenting styles will change with each generation. Um, this is not about parenting styles, uh, though I'm going to touch on some of it, because our parenting styles are influenced by our culture, by our philosophy, by our education, by so many things. What we find is that parenting is a divine principle set into human history by God himself. And it reaches further than just bringing up children, little, little people. It, it, parenting is a map for the building of the kingdom of God. In our first scripture, um, if we can see that from Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 4.9, it might be around here sometime. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.9 uh, in the Common English Bible says, Be on your guard and watch closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they never leave your minds for as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Remember that day when you stood before the Lord at Horeb when the Lord spoke to me. Gather the people to me and I will declare my words to them. So they will learn to fear me every day of their lives on the fertile, fertile land and teach their children to do the same. In this, Moses was reminding his people of the day that he received the instruction of God, the Ten Commandments. Uh, it was the mandate that God used to enforce or reinforce the Abrahamic covenant when God made a covenant with his own chosen people. And Moses is reminding the people of who they are, what God has planned for them, and he's telling them that he's there to pass on that legacy, uh, the legacy of what God has done, what he's given them, and also their experience of him. Um, and the legacy that, that Moses is reminding the people about isn't just their experience of the, the, him, not just their encounter with him and, and the miracles and, and what was happening in their own lifetime. 
Moses was linking their own personal experience with God with a mandate that was given on Mount Horeb, which was the commandments of God, which was the beginning of the law, which was to inextricably link the experience of the people of God with obedience to the mandate of God. And this is very important for us, that we cannot have a Christian walk and testimony without obedience to the way God sets things up to, up to be, the way that God has said that we should be. Now, this isn't legalism. This isn't rigidity. This is the way that God has set apart his kingdom and say that we are to be. We, according to the New Testament, overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's all that God has done for us, all that he has given to us, all we experience of him. You know, when we were in worship this morning, the, 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 the music, the songs that we were singing, the words that they were singing, don't know about you, but they inspired my heart. They, they touched my heart. They reminded me once again of who God was to me and the amazing, miraculous fact that God has chosen me to be his own. And, and there was a, a, a several moments, as there are every time I come to church, where I feel the Spirit of God moving so deeply within me that um, I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry, to raise my hands or to... to, to I, I don't know what to do with myself because the power of God is overwhelming me. I become unraveled before God. And I'm sure that a lot of you in this room um, and, and out there in the ether have had that experience of God. But in addition to that, the overcoming by, of the blood, by the blood of the Lamb, that which Jesus has done, uh, is also at the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony is how he has formed us and how he has walked with us and how he is molding us and aligning us so that we come into uh, that alignment with his will and with his purposes and that we surrender increasingly to him. Are you with me? It, it's a bifold thing. So in order to understand the concept of parenting, we need to return to the Garden of Eden and see how God set things up. In Genesis chapter 1, we read of how God created all things. All, most of chapter 1 is about that. God did this and he did that. He looked at it, he saw it was good. And then he spoke to the creation each, after each um, category of creation that he, he did. He spoke to all living things and he told them to reproduce after their own kind. Over and over again, you get that statement. Reproduce after your own kind. Biological reproduction was given for the continuity of each kind. And each kind would be driven to replicate itself one way or another. Sooner or later, every living creature is driven to split, lay eggs form spores, or get frisky. <laughs> Watch Bambi. The springtime that he learns what it means to become twitterpated. If you've never watched Bambi, if you haven't heard that word, it's such a perfect word to become twitterpated. God set that into creation. According to science, there are 10 ways living things reproduce after their own kind. 
But whatever way they do it, life continues. However, with human beings, God did something different. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, he said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created, created male and female. The image of God in humankind is male and female. And in Hebrew, this means a representation or a shadow. Uh, Hebrew words, demut and selim, if you're interested in Hebrew words, because I think they're very, very definitive. Uh, it means to have the appearance of sameness, to reflect, but also to be different. If you think that probably in the morning, you've stood in front of a mirror and you've seen yourself looking back at you. But what's in the mirror is not you. It's your image and likeness. It isn't you, but you see you. And that's the, the, the whole concept of the image of God in man. And maybe one day we'll have a sermon and elaborate on that. Before Adam, everything was to reproduce after its own kind. Progeny was a biological process built into all level, living things. Adam and Eve were not told to do this. God never said, reproduce after your own kind. Adam and Eve were children of God, created in his image and likeness. Instinct, hormones, and biology were not to be the driver for human beings, although we have those things. God had a greater plan and purpose. They were not told simply to reproduce the species. In Genesis 1, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Human beings have got a different mandate. Be fruitful and multiply yourselves. Be fruitful and multiply yourself. And this mandate was directly connected to having dominion and having that concept of subduing. The Hebrew verb rada is used here. It's an interesting one. It can mean rulership, domination, and subjugation. It can mean a dictatorial treading down or it can mean to gather, to walk amongst, to steward, to structure, and to ensure function. Remember, we're talking before the fall in Eden, when rulership and dominion was always connected to another Hebrew word, the word malak, which means king. Before the fall in Eden, authority and rulership could not be separated from kingship. It's amazing. After the fall, that separation took place. Why is it important? It means that parenting and having authority is not just about having and rearing your own biological children. It's a far greater concept that involves all of us as adults. It transcends biology and hormonal drives. It's a principle on which the kingdom of God is built. 
It means that authority within the structure of creation cannot be divorced from the way the king has set things up. It means kingdom principles should govern the way that we lead, the way we father, the way we mother, and the way we mentor. Jesus mirrored this statement when he said to his disciples, go into the world and make disciples, the Great Commission. Make more just like you. Be fruitful and multiply. I've discipled you. Now you go into the world and you make disciples. Go multiply yourselves. Parenting is to reproduce yourself with a purpose. To create people who will take the mandate to gather, continue, be stewards and functioning members of society. People who can continue the mandate, not just the experience. People who recreate the image and likeness. And parenting in this context is inextricably linked with obedience and love. Learning to be a parent is for all of us in this, in this building, not just people who are bringing up their progeny. Now, they obviously have a very important part to play amongst us because, as we've already seen, that by reproducing biologically, we increase the church. You know, if we are bringing up children in godly families and we're bringing children up in the knowledge and love of Christ, then we are building the church that way. It's a way of the church growing. But not everybody in this, this building right now can have children biologically, you know, or, 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 or have, create that, that particular type of family. Not everybody in this building right now or, or even out there in the ether is at the point in their lives where they're able to do that. And there are those of us who've actually brought up our children and we're grandparents. And you know, we love our grandchildren, but it's wonderful when they go home. <laughs> or is that just me? I'm not a hands-on grandmother. They like money. Every one of us in this room uh, and those that are listening have the mandate from God if we are made in his image and likeness to be fruitful and multiply. Just as Moses reminded the people of their encounter with God, Jesus tells us to build the kingdom on the same principle. Reproducing the image of God is inextricably linked to obedience to the way God says things should be done. The next generation to carry the baton consists of those that we here have discipled. Whatever age they are, however they have come to us, in whatever context or capacity, the next generation to carry the baton will be those that we disciple, that we parent, 
and that we give the baton to. To bring up children, to bring up those who are like us to continue into the future in our image and likeness. Now, see what I've just said. See what I've just done there. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God says, let us make man in our own image. And he did. Created them male and female. I don't know that anybody in, in this church or those that are listening who, who have had an encounter with God will have any problem with the fact that we are being conformed to the image and likeness of God because that was the image we've lost. But I've just said, bringing up children, parenting, which involves leadership, which involves discipleship, which involves being a grown-up and dealing with those that are around us in our communities and in our groups, is about permitting people to image us. Now think about that for a moment. Is it acceptable to you to have that statement this morning? Are you happy to think that people will imitate you? That they will carry your image and likeness? Now whether that's your own kids and your own family, your grandchildren, your cell group, your church, whoever you're involved with in your communities, do you want them to be like you? Now, if you're uncomfortable with that and you're thinking, oh, I'm not so sure about that, yeah, I want people to be like Jesus. Yeah, it's all about him. Don't look at me. It's all about him. Paul says, in Corinthians verse four, verse six, chapter 4, verse 16, you are to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Whoa, Paul. He said it again in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Whatever you have received or learned, or heard, or seen from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Ooh, 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 ooh. And if those verses don't stir you up a bit, because they did me, Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you as an offering and sacrifice. We become like those we imitate. A bit scary, really. We're image bearers. When God placed that mandate upon humankind, he never took it away. Now, the image was lost it was shattered at the point of the fall. And so when we come into the church, when we meet Jesus, or let's say when he meets us, and we see him for the first time, and we are revealed to be broken and flawed and falling, 
fallen. And, and, and we learn about the cross. And we learn about how he gave himself so that we could be restored in relationship to the Father. So that we could be forgiven. And that we could be fixed. That we could be healed. That we could be restored. And that something could happen to our lives that would set us on a different pathway. From that moment in time, the process of restoring the image of God himself in us as his people began. Remember, Moses said, remember what happened at Horeb. Remember when I gave you the law of God. Nobody else was given that. Nobody else was given that. Many religions existed. Many communities existed. But this ragtaggle bunch of, of people in the desert that were so rebellious and so off kilter, God gave his law to. And he said, you will be my people. And you know, God said that over us. Whoever you are, I've chosen you. And so in choosing you, I have a mandate because I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to conform you, not to the image of the world, not to the image of a system, but to my image. So that the people that you're involved with, including your own familial children and grandchildren, can look at you and they begin to imitate you and actually in imitating you, that system becomes more functional. It becomes stronger. And it becomes more full of love and more productive. Are you with me? Are you with me? We become like those we imitate. That which we imitate will mark those who imitate us. That is an incredible thing. That which I imitate will mark those who imitate me. You know, I, I've made a lot of mistakes with my own kids. I haven't admitted them to them because that would be silly. They tell me about them. But I look at them and I see something in them of what God's done in me. You know, I think, where did they get that from? How did they become so strong? How did they become so competent? You, you know, I look at, I look at Daniel, my, my eldest son. How did you become such a good father? Because your own wasn't that much cop. You know, how did you become like that? Well, I imitate the Father. Now, that's not anything to do with me. That's about his work in me and his work changing me. But I've marked my children in ways that I'd rather I hadn't marked them. But I also look at them and I think, actually, I've marked them in ways that I'm really pleased with. I'm really thankful for. 
because that's the mark that God has put on me. Now, I can't use myself as an example of a good parent. I'm not even trying that, because if it ever gets to the ears of my kids, they will write to you. Okay. Ask yourself a question. Who is imitating you? And do you like what they're imitating? If we look about being a parent in your own family, okay? And everything comes back to family at the end of the day. I mean, if you, you Google it, you will find that there are different types of family. There's the nuclear family. There's the extended family. There are blended families. And there's the church family. God has set up family to be the unit of society. Everything is about families. The workplace family. The, the peer group family. It's all about family. And one family raises the next family. How are you raising your family? Whichever family you're in. How are you raising your family? How are you raising new believers? How are you being a discipler? You know, I, I've met people. Um, they go out and they do evangelism. Uh, do you know a lot of evangelists, evangelists that I've met in my 55 years of being a Christian, it's more than 55 now, but a lot of evangelists really don't like people that much at all. Yeah. A lot of evangelists want to get you saved. That's it. You're not going to hell. That's about where they want to stop. Now, not all evangelists are like that. But, you know, I've met a few. They'll, they'll stand and they'll tell you that the wages of sin are death, is death and you're going to hell. Don't tell you what sin is. You know, who knows today what sin is? It's a word that we don't use. But they're quite prepared to, prepared to tell you where you're going wrong. And, and that um, you're condemned, and you know, apart from Jesus. But actually, that's not engaging with people, is it? And, and, and actually being able to share who you are and what you have. I cannot but speak the things that I have seen and heard. It was said in Scripture, wasn't it? I can't, I, I've, got to, I've got to tell somebody. I've got to share with you the person that I met and the person that I encountered in my life because he changed me. He opened my eyes. He, he opened my ears. I can walk. You know, that part of me that was crippled, he's restored. Can, let me tell you about him. I'm really excited about him. What rubs off on somebody else? The story or the fact that you're so excited because it's real and it's living and it's authentic? I'm just throwing out some ideas here, you know. I get to the point and I think, you know, why did I write this down? Um, as biblical parents, in whatever setting we're in, the, the various aspects that family that God's put us in, um, are we teaching and resourcing them? Are we answering their questions? Or do we not know the answer to the questions and therefore we will say, because I said so? Or because the Bible says it, I believe it, that's it. Or actually, can we dare ourselves to go and 
do a little bit of research um, and actually learn. Because some of the questions, particularly our kids and teenagers ask, are really good questions. Really good questions. Some of the questions that non-believers ask are really good questions. We need to be teaching and resourcing, not giving obstacles because we don't know the answers. Find the answer. Um, are we helping people to research themselves? Are we encouraging people? Are we encouraging, I'm going to use the term children and whatever that means. Are we encouraging them to go research for themselves and open discussions with them? Can we talk about anything in our family groups? I mean, one of the things I love about Journey is we do tend to be able to talk about anything, appropriate or not. <laughs> uh, are we helping others to think and to analyze? Are we giving a strong identity? Oh, that's a very controversial one. Are you giving a strong identity in your family, male and female? God created them, you know, or are you getting caught up with this gender identity rubbish? There, I've said it. I'm going to go to prison now. I'm going to be cancelled out there on Instagram. I don't have Instagram or Twitter, so they can cancel me all they like. They won't show me on YouTube anymore. Strong identity, you know. Learn about the identity issues, the gender identity issues that are facing, is facing our society and our children at this moment. Learn about it so that you can actually give a strong mandate to your kids as to why God created male and female. Are we addressing fears? Are we respecting others? I remember when I was a child, um, I, I think I was about seven, and my mother um, heard me downstairs. I think I was playing with the cat. And she yelled down the stairs, what are you doing? She yelled, really yelled, what are you doing? And she swore at me, being about downstairs. And I said, I'm not being about. She was down those stairs quicker than that. And I got whooped from one end of the hallway to the other. Don't you swear at me. In the image. In the image. If we want people to respect us. And I get people in counseling a lot of time. And they say, I feel disrespected. How do you respect others? Are you polite You're with your own children at home? Do you yell at them? Now, it's difficult not to at times. I do agree. You know. Children should be seen and not heard. Preferably not seen or heard. C.K. Chesterton said that. Somebody said it. It might have been me. <laughs> If you treat your children and the people that you're with with respect and love and honor, do you know, maybe they will begin 
to image you. You're different. You know, what do children of any family system need? Well, they need to be loved and accepted. Do you know they need to be encouraged? Everybody needs to be encouraged. You know, it's easy to tear down, to criticize, to say, that's not a good idea, I don't like that. I really think, John, you're not, I, I, John, sorry, I don't think that's the way you should be doing this in church. Cell group leader, no, I don't think that activity is good. Men's, whatever ministry it is. Yeah, it's all, there's always someone who's going to tell you why somebody, something won't work. Encourage. Encourage. What are you doing well? When did you last go up to a leader, a parent, a mum or a dad, and actually say, do you know you're doing a really good job? And say it authentically. Say it authentically, you're doing a really good job. Thank you. What about exhortation? Teaching? Bringing strong advice or counsel into a situation? You know, with our children, you need to be really careful when you climb that rock. Not, you need to be really careful climbing rocks because, you know, you could fall, break your neck, and die. That is true. I mean, it actually is the truth. But wouldn't it be better to say, you've got to be really careful when you climb that rock. Because if you don't do it correctly, you could hurt yourself. Let me help you. Let me teach you. Image me. Do what I do. Comfort. Comfort means to strengthen to give hope and to console. And actually, bringing up families in parent, with parenting, in whatever context it is, actually boils down to something very simple, is being a prophetic people. Being a prophetic people. Raising children, being fruitful and multiplying, is a prophetic task. I've got a lot of things that I've written down here, most of which I can't see. Um, there are different styles of parenting. I've already said that, and I was looking up um, basic styles of parenting. Uh, there's permissive parenting, you know, let them run free, let them make their own mistakes, let them find their own way, let them make their own choices and decisions. That creates incredible insecurity, honestly. Authoritative parenting. It's a style based on obedience. Psychologists have found that authoritative parenting is the best style. You have been given authority as the people of God to carry the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. You've already been given that authority. Use the authority that God has given you. You are not there. Bless. Now, you could be neglectful and say, well, it's somebody else's job. 
You could be authoritarian. You know how many children that are brought up in authoritarian homes, never been able to ask questions. You know, what dad says goes, regardless. Not what dad does goes, but what dad says goes. That are damaged and they're, they, they, they've incorporated fear and rigidity and so many conflicts into themselves. And there's a new style of parenting, apparently, out there. It's called gentle parenting. Anybody heard of that? Gentle parenting? It's a good style, based on love and acceptance and nurture. Very biblical. But what if you put together gentle parenting, which is not permissive parenting, with authoritative parenting? The gentle nurture, which gives the child the experience of love and acceptance and security, along with the mandate of the authority that God has given you for that role. Wow. We get back to Moses, doesn't it? Don't we? Get back to Moses. Uh, remember Horeb. Put them together. You can look these things up. How, how can we? How can we do this? You know, I've asked myself that. How can we do this? The Bible says, "Except you become as little children." You cannot enter the kingdom of God. We all need to start again. We all need to have the image of God restored within us. To be image bearers will permit us to be image givers. Jesus says we must be born again. That, that has incredible meaning. Become like little children. Start learning all over again. You know, in the therapy yesterday, we had an amazing project uh, on, on child therapy. You see, all, all our students there, 22 of them, all playing with sand and toys, coloring in hearts. They had a whale of a time until I got a hold of it later on in the afternoon. <laughs> but it, become like little children. Accept to learn of him. Accept to become a disciple. Accept to become a child. You know, God is speaking to people. I know, I know that. I know that. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it. If you've never encountered the love of the Father, just reach out your hand and ask. Just say, Father, will you show me Jesus? Will you restore that image in me? Will you take my life as I see it now and will you recreate in me the humanity that you set up in the Garden of Eden so that I can be fruitful and multiply? Too many people go around with rotten fruit, fruit that never comes, it has maggots. You know, let God speak to your lives this morning start again doesn't matter who you are if you're a believer start again say Lord help me to become a little child to learn how to restore that image in me and whatever it takes whether it's an encounter with you and you know come forward for prayer this morning or whether it's the mandate 
Do you need to be obedient? Do you need to forgive? Do you need to let go? Do you need to do something to obey God so that you are brought into line with who he has called you to be? Or do you need to actually this morning say, I don't know this father. I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. Can you introduce him to me? Then you come up as well. Or talk to somebody. You know, image bearers. I haven't followed all that I've written, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just hope that something has spoken to you, and something has touched your heart. Let people be just like you. As you imitate Christ, so let others imitate you.